Hello, welcome back to the We Are Fearless podcast. I'm Laura and thank you very much for joining me. Um, episode three of the podcast. Thank you for the feedback on episode two, the much, the long awaited episode two. Um, I am at the moment going to try loosely and record an episode a week. Obviously, we'll have to see how that goes when we hit the school holidays, but let's see. For the time being, here I am a week later with an episode which has been much, some of the content of which has been much requested. Um, so that's why I've decided to record this one today, because I know a lot of people are hoping I'm going to talk on this topic. So I've called it a compassionate toolbox for weight loss. Um, and yeah, that is loosely going to be the theme of this episode. Um, it doesn't matter if you haven't got a weight loss goal at the moment, because I think there will still be a lot of things in here which are relevant and which you can move to other areas of your life, which will translate tech tips. Um, and so I hope there's going to be something for everybody. Please don't think you need to switch off because you're not interested in losing weight at the moment. Um, I'm just going to talk a little bit at the beginning about a couple of things that have sort of happened on social media this week. Um, I've um, been sharing a little bit on my stories about um, nutrition for little people uh, and it's been very, people have really liked it and have had lots of messages and again lots of requests to do a podcast episode around um, nutrition for children and more than nutrition really. I think probably everybody is intelligent enough to know that their, their children, you know, should be eating vegetables and should be eating fruit and shouldn't be eating too much highly processed stuff. But actually, more around the kind of language to use about food with children, the way to approach, um, you know, fussy eaters, um, and how to just talk about this highly emotive topic, which is. Um, you know, kind of body image and that sort of thing with kids. So I will definitely, definitely do a podcast on that. And that might be one of the occasions where I can't stick to the 30 to 45 minute rule. So we might have to have a uh, a bumper episode for that week. Um, also, um, I'm going to do on the back of finally being able to offer We Are Fearless kit in a kind of larger range of sizes. I'm going to do a podcast episode around um inclusivity and uh, size inclusivity body inclusivity and i'm hoping that i can get a guest on for that which means that i have got to go back to my old pal youtube and learn how you record one of these things with someone else on a microphone somewhere else not sat next to me uh, but you know this is a learning journey and i will um learn how to do it and we'll do it because i've got in mind a few people who I'd like to get on the podcast in the coming weeks so that'll be my next uh, little nudge myself out of the comfort zone will be to learn how to do that so you can expect to hear some voices other than mine on the podcast at some point um yeah and I'm also going to give a tiny little mention at the beginning of this podcast because probably it would be remiss not to is please remember about the fearless tech and trainer exchange it's ticking along quietly in the background. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, then have a look on my social media or go to www.wearefearless.club and you can click on the post on the front page where it says Tech and Trainer Exchange. Basically, 
if you have a pair of trainers which are in really good condition barely used really you bought them and you didn't really get on with them you can if you wish donate them to the tech and trainer exchange and i will find a home for them uh and if you at the other end of the spectrum if you need new trainers or you need tech you need to watch um and at the moment as so many of us are it's a difficult time cost of living and everything you can fill in a form let me know what you need and if I've got a pair of trainers here that fit your requirements I will send them out to you uh, it's as simple as that I'm just letting runners who have got trainers that they're not using uh, linking them up with someone who could really make use of them and put some miles on those shoes so I'm just reminding you about that and reminding you that it's there it's running it's there to be used there's no qualifying threshold that you have to pass. You know, you know, no one is going to turn around and say you're not poor enough. Anyone can request a pair. And do you know what? If you are a little bit like me, um, I struggle with feel feelings of pride and, you know, I don't want charity and that sort of thing. Think of it as doing something really positive for the environment because those shoes have already been manufactured. And at the moment, they are sat on a shelf gathering dust. If you can put some miles on them, and then not go and buy another pair, then you've done something really positive for the environment. So if that helps you reframe it, then do it like that. I've got loads of men's trainers here. Uh, men are obviously more reluctant to ask for a pair than women. So if you've got a man in your life, or if you are a man, and you think, oh, I could do with saving myself 100 quid and getting a pair from there, then do it. Okay, that's all my kind of... Um, admin type stuff, small talk. Now we're going to get into the actual main bit of the podcast. So a lot of people have asked me to talk on the subject of, you know, weight loss. Um, I've had to reassure people that I am not anti-weight loss at all. I am completely in favour of weight loss if that's what you want to do. What I'm really not in favour of is weight loss that comes from a place of um, hate from self-loathing, from feelings of not being good enough, not worthy. Um, because I don't believe that weight loss that comes from that place is ever truly sustainable, which is why I'm not a fan of it. Because I can see over the years the damage that it does to people's health, their their health, because health is not just physiological. You know, health is multifaceted. And uh, when you have incredibly poor mental health because of this cycle of diet, binge diet binge um it's really damaging it's really damaging so um i am as in favor of weight loss as the next person provided it's done from a positive place in a way which is compassionate like the title of this podcast is compassionate okay so the first thing i would kind of say is um if you are someone who um is in this boom or bust cycle and by that i mean you are very good at following a very restrictive diet for a short period of time and then you find yourself um you know coming off the wagon for want of a better expression and um going into a a, a period of of binging or overeating because you've been so restrictive <coughs> excuse me then the first thing I would say to you is the most, the single most important thing that you can do is to establish a pattern of regular eating with a number of calories that is 
maintenance. And you need to do that for a period of time where because if you've been if you've been either in a very deprived state or in an overeating state, either one and you've been ricocheting between the two for a long period of time. The first thing you need to do is give yourself a little bit of grace and just eat at somewhere around maintenance calories. And I'm going to explain what that is in a minute. And at regular intervals. So the you must absolutely not be um, drawn into any kind of intermittent fasting protocols or anything like that. You need your body and your subconscious mind to learn that nutrition, food, calories, energy are coming consistently at regular intervals. And there is not a danger of all of a sudden that energy stopping. Okay. Now, I mentioned maintenance calories in there, and I don't, I, this, I'm not going to talk about numbers in this podcast or give you equations. If you don't know how to approximate your maintenance calories, then drop me a message and I will help you. Um, but it, I think most people either are familiar with, um, most people that are listening to this podcast will probably be familiar with the term and will probably have an idea of um, how to work it out. Um, but if you don't know and you would like a bit of help with it, then just message me and on 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 my, one of my social media platforms or send me an email and I will help you. But basically, you you know you just need to not be in a deficit for a while, um, and you don't need to be. Um, doing any elaborate calorie counting to stay in that deficit I would just say you know if you know that your weight is holding steady and you can tell that by your clothes and by how you feel then you're not in a deficit so um and that's probably where you need to be for a little while um until you have got out of that um kind of binge bust cycle so you're not experiencing those moments of where you feel like you'll all know what I mean when I say eat the fridge you know it's like that has passed that kind of panic um from being so restrictive has has gone um so that would be my first um kind of advice and and sort of thing that underpins this podcast really is that you need to go into change which is going to be sustainable and maintainable you need to not be coming off the back of um, a period of really low di- low calorie dieting, followed by binging, followed by more low calorie dieting. You know, you need to just give yourself a bit of a break first. OK, so when you feel ready, there are some things that you can do. And it is without a doubt the most um sure the most the 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 best way the the more the most effective way that you can get those long-term results are by just making small changes which you can which can become habitual um so protein at um every meal time you know if you can and the reason we say that is because we know that protein is more satiating than the other macronutrients. So it's more satiating than fat and more satiating than carbohydrates. If you kind of make protein the cornerstone of your meals wherever possible, um, you are. We know that people who have a more more protein in their diets, a high protein diet, 
um, consume less calories um, overall. So we know that you just, so what I mean is you just can tweak your plates a little bit. And this is particularly important, I think, for people who are cooking for a family, because one of the things I say to people who are conscious, conscious of language and behavior around children is that if you are sitting down at the table with a different plate to your the rest of your family, children notice that. I remember when I was on one particular diet, you know, could be one of any, I don't know which one it was. And I had made cottage pie for the rest of the family. And I didn't have it. I had something, probably salad, chicken and salad or something like that. And Lily um, sat at the table and said, is cottage pie not healthy then? Or is cottage pie not not a good food? Something along those lines. And I remember thinking, oh, no, what, you know, and obviously I know cottage pie is wonderful. It's just I didn't fancy it today, whatever I said. But she had already, because she knew I was on a diet or I was, you know, trying to lose weight and she was already aware that I was eating different things to them and that led her to the conclusion to reach the conclusion that her dinner wasn't a healthy dinner wasn't a good dinner so we need to be mindful of that and one way that you can um, just make your plate more aligned to your goals are to increase your portion of protein and just decrease the protein there's a portion of carbohydrates pardon me not protein portion of carbohydrates so for example if it was um cottage pie for dinner um obviously i would suggest if weight loss is your goal make it with a low fat with a lean mince and then on your plate you would perhaps make sure that you had more of the lean mince less of the potato topping and a bigger portion of vegetables on the side everyone has the same dinner your children aren't going to think why is she eating something different so just adjusting your plate, adjusting the components of your plate slightly in favour of, of lean protein and vegetables, uh, you automatically will lower the calorie content of your plate if you put more vegetables on it and decrease your um, carbohydrates, um, and it'll keep you fuller for longer. Which is then, which then means that your spontaneous, your subsequent calorie consumption for the rest of the day, evening, whatever, is likely to be lower. So that's the first thing I would say little tool you can have in your kit is just to look at your plates same with Sunday dinner for example have a bit more another slice of um, chicken or whatever and one less roast potato just little changes like that which no one is going to notice apart from you know you've done it and it's just making your plate a little bit more um, a little bit more supportive of the goal that you're you're ultimately aiming for and it's almost the whole point about these things that I'm going to talk to you about are the weight loss kind of just becomes a really happy side effect of the fact that you've just made these little tweaks and you're you're feeling better. You've got a bit more energy or whatever, which ultimately isn't that what we really want just to feel good. Um, and then if the weight loss comes, great. OK, so protein and slight um, changes to your plate is the first thing. The second thing is um movement and i want to be really clear here right when i say movement i mean i don't mean training um again something that you'll know if you if you work with me um directly if you're one of my clients is that what we often see when we increase training so for example if you're training for a marathon or if you've just started working with um, a running coach or whatever and you're increasing your actual training movement your exercise 
you will have an increased calorie burn, but you will likely also have an increased hunger to go along with that. And that is your body doing what it is meant to do. We have something called energy availability. And that means that you are your body needs you to consume enough fuel calories to be able to go for the run, do the gym session, do the cycle, whatever it is that you're doing. And if you're falling short, you know, hunger is the way that your body can try and get you to put a bit more in. So when people are marathon training and also trying to stick to a calorie deficit, it's kind of like, I don't know, trying to, I can't think of an analogy now, but the, the, the two things do not go hand in hand. Yes, some people might see weight loss um, when they start a marathon training block and they might not have experienced the same hunger cues that other people do. Someone else could start on a marathon training block and have an almost insatiable hunger because they've you know their body is telling them I need more in the tank here so when you increase training you often see a a related increase in hunger and I would absolutely as a coach as as any you know would tell you to honor that hunger you need to fuel your body for the questions that you ask of it but you can increase movement in other parts of your life where we don't see the associated increase in hunger. So by this, I just mean increasing your movement outside of your exercise sessions. So walking a little bit further when you walk the dog, instead of going out for 20 minutes, go out for 30 minutes. When you drop the kids off at school, come back the long way. Um, If it's an option that you can walk to work, walk to work. If it's an option that you can, instead of sitting down um, for your lunch break, you could actually take a walk and take a podcast on and walk for 20 minutes Um, because that kind of activity doesn't usually bring about the increased hunger but it's so effective in weight loss this is this is kind of the sweet spot where most people have got the capacity to be able to increase their calorie burn for the day and and not increase their fuel input so I know lots of people track their steps now because we all wear these watches that do it for us. Um, Just add between 10 and 20 percent onto what you normally do on an average day. So you don't I'm not going to say you must do 10,000 steps. If an average day for you is only five, then it would be it would be helpful for you to take it to 6000 a day. You haven't got to think I've got to do 10. 10 might be completely unachievable for you at the moment at your point in life with your other commitments. Just see if you can get 10 to 20 percent onto it. And again, be kind to yourself. Give yourself some grace. You know, 10,000 steps is not a realistic goal for many people. So just get that number out of your out of your head. It's largely been shown to be just an irrelevant number anyway. So we don't need to live by it. Just see if you can put 10 to 20 percent on what you're doing at the moment. And if you don't wear a, um, a pedometer, you know, if your watch doesn't have that facility, then, you know, you know how much you move. If you don't move at all and you can introduce a 20 minute walk somewhere in your day, that will make a difference. That will make a difference. Okay, so uh, we've got looking at our plates, looking at the split between the macronutrients. We've got non-training movement. The next couple of things I'm going to talk to you about are 
ways that you can approach um, those times where you feel like you're going to make a decision which is not um, aligned with your goal. So whether your goal is just to fuel your body better or whether it's weight loss, all of us get those times where we feel like we want to face plant the biscuit, Tim. Having worked with a lot of people, I often find the kind of danger times are that three o'clock slump, which has been shown in numerous studies that if we were kind of, if human beings were kind of left to their own devices and we didn't have to follow, you know, the kind of societal accepted norms of um, being awake and at work from nine to five or whatever, if we were kind, if we had none of that, if we were just left to our own advices, then three o'clock in the afternoon is the time when we are. At, that is the best time of day to fall asleep, the, the, the time of day when sleep would come easiest for most human beings. And I know that a lot of people that are listening will really relate to that because it's right, isn't it? You know, you have your lunch and three o'clock in the afternoon is, a, is the time when you do just feel like you could close your eyes. Um, so if you if you feel like that, there's nothing wrong with you. You are functioning exactly as the human body uh, would be expected to function if it if it didn't have to kind of exist within the constraints of um, working and everything else that we need to do. So there's a slump there, um, and often people then feel the need to kind of um, you know have some sugar or have something to kind of rouse us from that slump. And then the other place that we see a lot of um, snacking, which is, again, not aligned to people's goals, is in the evening. And arguably, a lot of that comes from habit, boredom. Um, but still, it's difficult. It can be a difficult habit to break. So I'm going to give you a couple of tools that you could use here. And, you know, different things are going to work for different people. The first thing you can try is to say to yourself, I can have whatever I want but I'm only going to eat it if I can put it on a plate and sit down and eat it. So this means that you can't be grabbing um, crisps at the petrol station. You can't be um, eating fistfuls. This is, I'm, I'm talking from my experience. Actually, for me at the petrol station, it would be chocolate. Um, you can't be eating fistfuls of tortilla chips from a bag in the kitchen while you're cooking because you can have them. You, you know, absolutely, you can have whatever you want, but you have got to put it on a plate and sit down and eat it. So it's a little bit of mindfulness, I guess, coming in there because, you know, eating on the go we do it without thinking and there's a lot of evidence to support the fact that it doesn't kind of register in our brains it doesn't satisfy us in the same way that sitting down and eating it a bit more slowly and you know we we would feel more satisfied um so yeah that might work that might help if you feel like i really want some chocolate okay get some chocolate go and get it put it on a decide on how much you're going to have, put it on a plate and then sit down and eat it. Don't be just breaking pieces off in the kitchen and all of a sudden, you know, we've all done it. You know, you keep putting your hand in the bag of crisps and before you realise it, there's no crisps left in the bag because you're kind of taking away any kind of mindfulness about, about it because they taste good. You know, there's a reason why Pringles coined the phrase, once you pop, you just can't stop. 
they are it is highly palatable it tastes good um so that would be so plate portion sit down and acknowledge let your brain have time to acknowledge the fact that actually yeah i have had some crisps and dip or whatever it was that you wanted okay um the next tool i'm going to give you is called my seven minute rule again if you've worked with me you'll already know about this uh this is one that saved me really and does continue to say i don't follow it so rigidly now but i still keep the principle of it in place but i would suggest um if this is a new thing for you that you follow it rigidly to begin with and this is just where you feel the urge the need the want for something whether it be in the evening or you know when you've just got the kids from school whenever it might be i would urge you to set an alarm a timer for 7 minutes so you can use the oven timer you can use the timer on your phone we know we've all got a phone in our hands or in our back pocket all the time now there's a timer on it countdown 7 minutes okay and then move yourself away from whatever you were doing when the urge took hold so if you were sat on the sofa zoned out watching netflix if you were in a stressful situation getting the kids in through the door and getting them sorted whatever it is that you were doing when you felt this need this urge change it so if you're sat on the sofa get up go into the bathroom um do your skincare regime i don't know put some moisturizer on um paint your nails or you know take yourself into the um i don't know go and put a load of washing on do something which is not what you were doing when you felt the need um and seven minutes if when that seven minutes is up you still feel like you want um a bag of crisps a handful of biscuits whatever it was going to be then have them have them knowing that you gave it time to percolate you're not doing it from a place of in a trance watching the telly because you've snapped out of it but you actually this is a real need want you've decided that you do want the bag of crisps or you do want that chocolate bar whatever it might be and then you can really enjoy it because you've made a proper decision taken removed all the elements of am i eating out of boredom am i eating out of frustration because i was just feeling particularly stressed you've taken all of that away and you still wanted a bag of crisps so you're going to have them because you can have whatever you want you have unconditional permission to eat all you're trying to do is identify what your need is at that time and identify whether there's a better way that that need could be met okay so i often talk about the fact that you know again i keep saying i hope you all follow me on social media if you follow me on social media you'll know that i have suffered from a very uh, textbook case of binge eating disorder um and although i there was a period of my life in order to um kind of qualify it's a horrible uh, way of describing it but in order to kind of um meet the threshold for having binge eating disorder you have to binge a certain number of times per week over a certain period of time and i didn't know that at the time that i was suffering from the disorder i just thought i was fat and greedy um and you know that's that's what i thought i was ashamed of the fact that i was so greedy so i didn't seek help um i remember saying to somebody once i think there's something wrong with me i think i've got that 
um, bulimia thing, but I don't make myself sick afterwards. Um, but I'd read about people eating to the point where they felt physical discomfort, um, that they, you know, they didn't feel any enjoyment when they were binging. And I thought that's me. But I convinced myself that I was just greedy because I didn't make myself sick afterwards. I didn't know that, um, you know, binge eating disorder is a very real um, eating disorder. Um, and it's only when I've been doing my qualifications in nutrition and my own personal development that I've recognized that that's what it was. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so I don't suffer from binge eating disorder anymore, but I do have um, an ongoing problem with binge eating. I know um, I have a problem with it. I would say it's a um, it's it's controlled now for me largely, um, but it's there, and there is uh, there is power in um, acknowledging it, in learning about it. And I have learned that I do it, I have done it, because I have a need that's not being met and I'm trying to fill it. There's a void, I'm trying to fill it with food. And the trouble is that the need isn't actually for food. It, it was for love, for connection. Um, and you can't ever... Um, you know, there's, like I say, I feel empowered now by knowing what my need is and was and why I could never satisfy it with food, because it's not what I really need. Um, oh, here she goes again. Here she goes again. A lot of people said, oh, you've got me choked up with episode two. So let's, we can all cry together. It's fine. We're all friends. Um, there is power in identifying buying what your need is why am I feeling this way why am I trying to um why am I eating in this in this way and then once you know that's not that's not to say you're never going to do it again you know I still do it now from time to time much less frequently um but now you know like I say by putting that bit of buffer in, like I say, I don't always set the timer anymore now. I just, but I would suggest to you, if it's new to you, that you do use the timer. Um, actually have that, you know, that external thing there. So when the alarm goes off, you can then think, right, okay, what am I going to do? Um, yes, yeah, so there is there is definite power in, in, in identifying. The need doesn't go away, um, but perhaps you can find a way to get that need met which is not um, a binge which is going to lead you to feeling distressed and uncomfortable and you know even more unhappy than you were before um yeah oh let's try and uh, get myself back on an even keel now <laughs> i knew this this was likely gonna there was going to be a point likely in this podcast that i probably would um the emotion would get the better of me um because it is highly emotive and again you know if people who've never experienced it won't understand quite how quite how emotive it is okay um i think that's it for today i think that's more or less everything i wanted to cover is everything i've written down on my list um I, you know i would just urge you if you take anything away from this podcast you know like i say if weight loss isn't your goal there might not be much here that was that was for you um but 
I, I hope that you will take away the fact that whatever you're doing in your life, whatever kind of goal you've got, if it doesn't come from a positive place, you're unlikely to ever get there because you can't hate yourself into doing anything. You know, if whether it be um, studying for something or, you know, some kind of professional development, whether it's weight loss, whether it's training for something, if you're constantly verbally or even, you know, internally beating yourself up about, you know, not being good enough, not working hard enough, not trying hard enough, you you won't you won't ever get there. And any results that you do get are not going to be long lasting or make you feel good. Um, you know, when we do things from a place of, you know, I'm doing this because it's going to make me feel stronger happier, fitter, healthier, or it's going to improve my um, ability to be able to deal with certain situations. You know, if, if you're doing some sort of, um, you know, professional development or whatever, it's going to improve my ability to be able to do my job. Then you, you will feel much better about it and you're much, much more likely to get the results that you that you want. OK. Um, so I'm going to leave you with two things now. The first thing is um, a little pearl that came up in a one of my check-ins with my clients with a client yesterday um, who was not showing herself enough grace. Um, she has got a particularly heavy workload at the moment, and it's um, you know that that is dominating her her days, and it's difficult to um, be all things to all people. It's impossible, in fact, I would say. And what I said to her during our, in our chat was, if you imagine that you have you start every day with um, a full glass, um, and but let's say the glass has got a little tap at the bottom of it, okay? Now, on your average day, that tap is set so that the water is gradually trickling out in a steady stream, and that's you know as you go through the day, you are at work you're you know you're you're using up you, your cup is emptying gradually if you have something that happens during the day for example a difficult exchange with a customer um, a challenging um meeting with a colleague um the tap turned up a bit and the cup empties a bit faster it depletes you you know you can have a day where you've barely got out of your chair and at the end of it you can feel like you've got nothing left because you know you've had that tap turned up several times during the day because you've had difficult interviews you've had challenging um conversations don't give yourself a hard time about that just because you didn't get out for a 10 mile run today which again obviously when we train the tap turns up because we are physically emptying our cup but your cup can get emptied in all sorts of ways you know in life all sorts of ways you know some days my girls have half emptied my cup before I've even dropped them off at school. I know parents are going to be relating to that as well. You've got a finite amount in your cup. And at the, at the end of the day, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. And you mustn't let your training plan or your need to do 10,000 steps or whatever it is, become another stick that you beat yourself with at the end of a hard day. Because what possible good do you think it will do? What possible good? If you've been hard on yourself your whole life, 
where's it got you? You know, these horrible people that scream at you about not wanting it, you know, if you want it hard enough, get out there and do it. Yeah, okay. That might work for some people for a finite period of time. But I would say if you've been hard on yourself your whole life, maybe it's time to try a different way. Okay. And of course, you can add to your cup. You can top your cup back up during the day if you are able to get outside and turn your face to the sun for a few minutes. That adds a bit to your cup. If you've got have a lovely exchange with a friend or with a colleague, that might top your cup back up again. And then you might be able to think in the evening, actually, I haven't got the energy for a run, but it's a nice evening and I could manage a walk because you've had your cup top back up. A beautiful sunset might top your cup back up a little bit. But there's only so much. There is only so much. And acknowledge the fact that there are lots of ways that cup gets emptied, not just by physically draining yourself. Yes, physical activity does turn the cup, turn the little tap up and make the cup drain faster. But also so does highly emotional stuff, challenging um, mental stuff. You know, if you've if you've had a big um, challenging, I tell you what makes my cup empty fast is when I have to do anything to do with my website. Ugh, God, just it's like the, the taps on full stream and it just empties because I find it challenging. So that's the first um, of the two things I want to leave you with. And the second thing is going to be the same thing I leave you with. I've left you with on the other weeks, which are have a little think. Find something you can do. How are you going to be fearless this week? Um, are you going to address something that needs addressing, which you've been putting off because you're nervous about the outcome? Are you going to commit to a race that you've been worrying about, thinking about? considering are you going to pop your trainers back on and get back out there when you haven't for a few weeks because no one likes to be a beginner again whatever this is your sign this is your you can do it you can do it and often you know we worry about these things and the actual doing of them when you come and do it come to do it you think oh what was I worried about what was I worried about so this is your sign this weekend or whenever do the thing. Make the commitment. Sign up to the race. Put your trainers on, whatever it is. Um, and that's it. That's it. Episode three done. Um, I'll let you know when episode four is out. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be about yet. I might do the children's nutrition thing. Um, but yeah, hopefully it'll be this time next week so end of next week uh thank you for listening thank you for your feedback for your comments um i don't exactly know how you do it but i think there is a way on most of these platforms that you can leave a rating or you know give give the podcast uh five stars obviously you only want to give it five stars uh if you know what i'm talking about please do that and tell people that the podcast is worth a listen because um the numbers have been fabulous, actually. I've, you know, I've, uh, over 200 people have been listening, um, but I would like it to be more. I would, I would like to be in more people's ears. So anything you can do to help me spread the word, I will be very, very grateful. And I'll see you next week. Lots of love. Have a fabulous weekend.